As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. The money itself that I get has a means of paying off anything associated with it, but not using all of it to do that. So if I only used half of it and I essentially controlled the cost of it completely, that means the other half is free money. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner, They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template 
should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Theo Hicks, today's host, and today we'll be speaking with Joe Vilnev. Joe, how are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. Good. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation Before we get into that, a little bit about Joe. He started investing in 1980. He is also a professional architect, owning his own firm for over 40 years. Currently, his portfolio consists of 10 properties based in Plymouth, Michigan. You can say hi to him at joe at 3venterprises.ws. Joe, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure. I've done a variety of different things. You've seen some of them. I consider myself a serial entrepreneur and I spell cereal with a C as in breakfast. Every day I wake up that way and that's when I focus. Mm-hmm. My background because of that is a variety of different things. But as far as real estate is concerned, I have taught at many real estate investment clubs as featured speaker, one that I accidentally became an organizer in. That became exhausting because we did four meetings a month. It was all themed. The last meeting was on a particular topic, and it was an all-day. So last Saturday of the month, the morning, we taught the topic. In the afternoon, I put together what I referred to as interactives, where students actually had to act out and perform what they learned during the morning. Our philosophy was always, we're going to show you how to do it. We're going to teach you how to do it. They're going to grab you by the collar and drag you through it to make sure that you do it. I think the biggest frustration I've always had whenever I've been to a lot of them is that they teach you how to do it, but then they kind of leave you hanging in the dark. And I didn't want to do that. So that's where the interactives came in. I wanted them to actually feel like they were doing it when they had the experts there, the people that taught it, and their partners, potential partners, and other students, they're making the same mistakes and asking the same questions and finding out that they can do it and do it the right way. So there's a lot of other things, but that's some of the biggest things. I enjoy doing that burnt me out, but I enjoyed doing it. So you said your portfolio consists of 10 properties. What are those 10 properties? Are they Uh, family homes, multifamily? Yes. I don't do multifamily. I hate multifamily. To me, it's a whole 30 minute segment on that. I really hate multifamily. Let's condense your hate for multifamily down to maybe five minutes. So give me a rant. Why don't you like multifamily? Inconsistent. You have high cap rates, low cap rates. Usually what you find are the ones that have come up for sale with the high cap rates are because they just got through spending the year before all their money and their capital expenses. So now they can show the past cap rate for the past years being high because they don't have any cap rate. And then in about five years, 10 years, all of a sudden the person who buys it gets nailed with it. The misconception that you have, say, 20-unit building and – if one of the units goes vacant, you've got 19 other buildings to pay for it. Well, if you've got 20 single-family houses, it's the same situation. The difference is, is if you've got a 20-unit complex, and let's say that there's two 10-unit buildings, if a roof comes up on a single house, you've got one roof to replace. You've got to replace 10 roofs on a multi. You don't patch driveways. You have to replace parking lots. 
commercial expenses, everything that's associated with it. When you're dealing with uh, residential, you don't deal with the landscape, snow removal. Tenant does. You do with the commercial side, the multifamily. So I don't like it. So I learned real fast. I don't want to invest in it. I want to invest something I have more control over. Is this from first-hand experience doing multifamily or have you never done a multifamily deal? Both. When I say both, I've done a multifamily. I've been associated with a multifamily. I watched it happen from an architect's standpoint. I sat back, I watched it, and I said, no, this is not what it's built out to be. There are better ways of doing it. It's just better ways of doing it. I'm assuming the better way is investing in, in single-family homes or maybe something else. So can you mention what this better way is that you don't yeah, do it? Yeah, almost. You do? Right, almost anything else. But this, over the years, I've gravitated towards certain things. I've gravitated towards single family, but not as a, a collection of a lot of them. It's just simply a means to an end. The end really is triple net. I guess I'm physically lazy and mentally aggressive. I get this best way of describing it. I want my money working for me. I don't want to be working for it. And it makes no sense that way. Because you can always get your money back, but you can never get your time back. So I want my time to be an exponential return on it. And for me, that's what the triple net does as much as anything else. The returns are not as high, but it's a part of a system as you work your way from beginning to end. If you start with a single family, work your way through to the end game being your cash flow game, being the triple nets, you can truly retire off of something like that, where it's hard to retire off a single family because in order to do that, you have to sell it. And then you get all kinds of issues, capital gains issues surprises. There's all kinds of problems. So I don't look at any particular, other than triple nets, maybe any particular investment vehicle as a single or a multiple ones that are different ones that I look at as being the best ones to invest in. I look at them as a sequence of options, one leading into Mm -hmm. the next, which leads into the next. And it's more a matter of order of appearance than the fact that I just seem to look at each one of them as an end. They're all means to an end. Interesting. So the single families are a stepping stone to triple net leases, basically. Yeah. Plan is everything. Most real estate investors don't understand what a plan is, unfortunately. When I used to teach this, first thing I would ask is, what's your plan? And they would tell me it was flip three houses a year and hold one house per year. And I said, well, that's not a plan. And then I would describe what a plan basically is starting with your end game, which is your ultimate financial goals and work your way backwards, reverse engineer it to where you're at right now. Look at it the same way as getting a college degree. Prerequisites working way all the way through. Each one's a stepping stone leads to the next. There is no, I got this property. Now what do I do? Now where's my next one? Every decision you make should be made on the entrance to a decision into entering a deal should be predicated on how the exit from that deal leads to the next entrance. So you already know where you're going every time you make a decision. And that's where the plan comes in. It's laid out ahead of time. You just turn around and follow the breadcrumbs once you get back to the beginning. I'm kind of confused because you mentioned that you don't want to sell the SFRs. So do you plan on just taking the cash flow from those and putting that into a triple net lease? No, or? no. I never, I never said I didn't want to sell it. I said it's a means to an end. Okay. Selling it is a part of it. Let me give you one of my basic philosophies. One of my basic philosophies for single family is I don't want to hold a single family for more than five years. And the reason for that is I don't look at the property as my asset. My asset is my cash. And the property is nothing more than a temporary resting place for it until it moves on to the next vehicle. Whether or not I have $100,000 
in one property or I have $100,000 in the bank, it's still $100,000. But $100,000 in the bank, I can parlay a 20% deposit into $500,000. If I got the same hundred grand sitting in a property, it's worth a hundred grand, that's it. It'll never be worth any more sitting there, it's dying. So once I can get that equity that I bought, let's say 20% worth that I bought, up to 40% gifted to me, based on the tenant gifting it to me when they're making the rent payments for me and making my principal payments out of that, plus the appreciation. Once I get to the point where it is now 40%, I get it out of Dodge. And now that 40% becomes 200 instead of 100. And it just keeps moving, or 400 instead of 200. It keeps moving on and on and on. It just keeps it moving. I look at my cash as a verb, not a noun. When it becomes a noun, I lose. Perfect. So what type of property are you going to do for the triple net lease? It does kind of vary over the decade. Right now, my favorites are dollar stores and anything to do with medical. They're the most stable at this point. Medical will always be the most stable. And do you own these currently or is this a plan further on down the line once you've kind of turned, using your example, that $100,000 yeah. to $200,000 to $400,000? Right, on, right, on, on. right. I don't own anything. I control, but I don't own. My businesses own it. If somebody were to ask me where the properties were, I would tell them, well, I wouldn't tell them anything. Part of the reason is because there's nothing that's owned with a single entity, in other words. It's all a matter of partnerships of some sort. And out of respect for my partners, nobody knows where anything is. So don't ask that question because I won't tell you. So by partnership, do you mean that you're raising capital for these deals? Yeah. Usually partners are cash partners or, or money partners, one form or another. Do you have any money raising tips for, that you found wow. to be very useful? Yeah, I'll tell you one huge one. I follow the principal formula of the number sequence of 10737-41824. That's the most important number. In fact, I've got it almost written on the wall in one form or another. It means everything to real estate investors. The basic premise for that number is... One of the most important philosophies from a real estate investor should be the most important philosophy they should follow. My first of two golden rules that I follow, under no circumstances ever, no matter what wives' tale, rumor, group setting, multiple people telling you to do otherwise, ever spend your seed money. Use it to infinity, but never spend it. You spend your profits, not your seed money. Your profits is somebody else's money that they're giving to you. Your seed money is the most valuable thing in the world to you. Never spend it. Use it to infinity, but never spend it. Spend it means you get one use out of it. Using it means no matter how many times you try to spend it, every vehicle you put it in, it keeps coming back with friends. Friends being profit and cash flow. See, it's the money's friends that are important. And every time those friends come back with it into the next vehicle, and it keeps coming back with more friends and more friends every time I do it. That's the goal. Once you've spent your money, you start all over again from scratch. And once you spend your seed money, if you keep using it, it keeps coming back, you have an exponential return on it. And it doesn't cost you anything anymore. See, I can buy my seed money as long as the cost of the seed money is self-sustaining. In other words, when I get that loan or I get the cost, the money itself that I get has a means of paying off anything associated with it but not using all of it to do that. So if I only used half of it and I essentially controlled the cost of it, 
completely. That means the other half is free money. That's basically a cash-like substance as far as I'm concerned. And I could use that forever. In a situation like that, no matter what the initial cost, it's immaterial because self-sustaining. So it doesn't matter what the cost is. I got free money. I focus on the free money. I use it over and over and over again. And I can go forever, basically, with that principle without having to get another loan. I mean, just keep using the same money. It's just a matter of how you use the money and how money works. And that's another one of the problems I see. Real estate investors don't know how money works. They don't understand strategies. They don't understand some of the key words, such as what risk is. They don't understand what profit is, what actual cost is. They deal with percentages as answers, and percentages will lie to you every time. I never use a percentage in an answer when I compare one thing to another. A great example is stock market. I got into a discussion with somebody once on the stock market and returns. They said they had 15% return on the stock market, and you could only get a 5% return on real estate. And I said, well, even if that were true, I could blow you away with that. But it's not true. He said, first of all, you're cheating. You're getting the best that you can get, and you're saying you're going to get it all the time, and you're forcing me to get the average. I'll tell you right now, I don't buy average, but I'll take the average. And I showed him how in day one, he could take the same dollar amount. I can take the same dollar amount. He could put it in the stock market at 15%. I could put it in real estate five, and I'm ahead of him from day one, and I just I leave him in the trail. Percentages lie. They focus on the interest rates. As long as the interest rate is reflected the impact of the interest rate is reflected in the payment and the payment is covering you have positive cash flow. The interest rate doesn't matter. You're not trading off interest rates. When you're looking at the interest rates of a loan and the loan's being paid off and you have cash flow, you're not the one paying the loan off if it's a cash flow property. The tenant is. Your only cost is the down payment. That's it. As long as you have positive cash flow, it's a down payment is your only cost. So at 20%, you're buying a $100,000 property basically with 20%. So it costs you 20 grand. So if you start at $100,000, you're buying $500,000 worth of property. So if you have 5% return, that's a $25,000 return in the first time. And, and a person in the stock market gets 15%, they get 115, they get 15% return. And this spreads away from there, not counting the cash flow. And if there's a $4,000 return in cash flow, within five years, I get all my money back and I'm now living on free money on that investment. Stock market can't say that. They got $100,000 still in it. So I always laugh when someone says, oh, this is a great time to invest in the stock market. It's never a great time. I'm not saying I'm not in in the stock market. I am. But it's never a great time compared to real estate. There'll never be a better time to invest in the stock market than real estate, simply because you can't compare the two together. They're completely different. Now, somebody said, well, it's like comparing apples and oranges. No, it's not. It's like comparing apples and spaghetti. They're both food, but that's as close as they come to be compared. All right, Jim, besides all of the great advice you've given so far, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't spend your seed money. That's it. Don't spend your seed money. All right, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? You got it. All right, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? 
The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show. Okay, Joe, what is the best ever book you've recently read? I got it right here. Excel for 2016 formulas. <laughs> here you go. Excel is super powerful. A lot of people don't utilize it enough. I tell people all the time, but if I wasn't married, I'd marry Excel. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Start a new one. And what would that new business be? Don't know. I haven't hit that spot yet. Remember, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I invest in real estate based upon the market and the timing of decisions. And same thing would be true with a business. When one business fails, a whole other industry opens up. You just have to be able to see it and take advantage of it. What is the best ever way you'd like to give back? I'm doing it right now. You and I. You can't take it with you, so I figure I might just as well give it back before I leave. Otherwise, it goes useless. And lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? Email. And again, that's joe at 3venterprises.ws. Correct. All right, Joe, I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm looking forward to listening to it again because... You're spitting out advice so fast, I could barely keep up with my typing. So I'm sure I missed some of typing, but just a few things that stood out to me was why you don't like multifamily. I thought that was interesting. I've never heard it from that perspective before. So you said that it was inconsistent. I gave an example of cap rates where someone will spend a bunch of money in one year and then sell the property to someone else. And then five years later, that person gets nailed because the numbers were just based off of the previous owner investing a ton of money into the deal that year before. We talked about single family homes. You replace one roof as opposed to having to place a very, very large roof the size of 10 roofs on a multifamily, patching a driveway as opposed to replacing the entire parking lot. And you mentioned landscaping and removal. I really liked your idea about looking at things in a sequence. You, know, you mentioned that a lot of real estate investors don't understand how plans work and the whole entire idea is to have an end goal in mind and then reverse engineer it and then follow the breadcrumbs. So when you're entering a deal, you should be thinking about the exit that's going to allow you to enter into another deal at that point. So thinking more longer term as opposed to a deal-by-deal basis. You talked about one of your basic single-family philosophies being not wanting to hold on to a deal for more than five years and how the asset isn't the property, but it's your cash. The single-family home is just a resting place for that cash. So you can invest $100,000 into a single-family home with a 20% down a $500,000 property because of principal pay down and the residents paying the rent, you can turn that $100,000 into 200 grand and then again, push that into another deal and repeat the process. You mentioned that your favorite turbulent leases right now are dollar stores and medical because they're the most stable. And then your best ever advice and your money raising tip was never spend your seed money. Use it to infinity. By spend, you mean getting only one use out of it. So the goal is to use your seed money over and over and over and over again. I liked how you put it when you said that you'll invest in a new property and then you'll get the seed money back with some friends and then you put the seed money and the friends into a new deal and they make even more friends and so on and so on until you can get to your next step in the sequence. And again, that was just maybe 5% of what you talked about. So best of our listeners, definitely give this one a second. Listen through. I know I sure will. And again, Joe, really appreciate you coming on the show. Best of your listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we will talk to you tomorrow. Great.